0: We have an anchor that keeps the soul. The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. We are looking today at the book of Hosea chapter 4. Hosea chapter 4. The theme of our study today, we are in trouble If we don't know the Bible, think about, if you would, the importance of God's Word in your life, how blessed we are today because we have God's Word guiding and leading us on a daily basis. You remember many years ago, the psalmist said, your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. God's Word is intended to bless our lives. And I'm convinced that when we follow the Word of God, we are blessed. Sadly, sometimes we fail to honor the Word of God. We fail to live by it. As a result, our lives are in disarray. Chaos seems to be uh, ruling on a regular basis. And so I think about the importance of God's Word. And how if we fail to implement and internalize the Word of God, we're going to be in trouble. Hosea in the long ago was writing to the northern kingdom of Israel. And they had a very distinct problem. And that problem was they had forgotten God's Word. You look around in the world today. Think about our country for a moment. Our country is divided In many respects, we have a lot of problems on a lot of different fronts. Many of the problems that we have in our country are not because we're following the Bible, but because we're not following the Bible. Same thing could be true about the church. Sometimes congregations find themselves in trouble not because they're following the Bible but because they're not following God's word. So let's just think for a minute or two about what Hosea has to say in the long ago. I want to begin by first of all talking about the charge. What Hosea is going to do is indict the children of Israel. He's going to bring, as we would say, formal charges against the nation. The charges that he brings against them are serious in nature. As a matter of fact, a very sobering and serious charge leveled against the children of Israel. He's going to talk about their biblical illiteracy. Two things here. First, he's going to describe or detail their illiteracy. And then he's going to talk about the destructiveness of their illiteracy. So listen to what Hosea writes in verse 1, Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel. For the Lord brings a charge against the inhabitants of the land. Now note, there is no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. I want you to think about that for a minute. Hosea the prophet, commissioned by God, is bringing formal charges against the northern kingdom. And he's saying to covenant people, there is no truth, there is no mercy, there is no knowledge of God in the land. Could I ask a question? How could that have been the case? Didn't God in the long ago entrust into their possession his very word? Do you remember in Romans chapter 3 verse 1? Paul asked the question, what advantage has the Jew? Or what's the profit of circumcision? In verse 2, he answers that question. He said, chiefly because unto them have been committed the oracles of God. Going all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy, following their deliverance out of Egyptian bondage, God reminded them of how he had brought them on eagle's wings unto himself. He entered into a covenant relationship with them. That covenant was conditioned on their willingness to be obedient to his will. And then in chapter 20 and following, he gives them a law. That law was intended to be a blessing to their lives. In the book of Deuteronomy, Moses, the great great leader and lawgiver of ancient Israel, would in effect say, look, if you will follow the word of God, it will bless your life. He said, on the other hand, however, if you do not follow his word, it will be a curse to you. And so, what a sobering charge. What a serious charge to bring bring against the children of Israel. His own covenant people. People that had been placed under... Divine blessings, people that had His word. But then notice also, if you would, not only was it a sobering charge, a serious charge, but it was a shameful charge. I mentioned a moment ago that God gave them His law. And back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, God said through Moses, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. And then he said, you shall teach them diligently to your children. They were to teach, to instruct, to train their children in God's ways and in God's word. In so doing, their children would know the God of heaven. And yet, Somewhere along the lines, there was a breakdown in communication. So God gave them his law. And then I think about in Deuteronomy chapter 7 in verse 8, how God emphatically said to the children of Israel, I love you. We talk about the love of God, the law of God. They had every advantage. In Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 3, God would say to the southern kingdom, of Judah. He said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. God had showered his blessings upon the children of Israel. He loved them. He gave them a law to bless their lives. So when you look at the indictment leveled against the Northern kingdom, very serious, sobering charge, and then also a very shameful indictment. There was no reason For the people of God to have been in a state of spiritual illiteracy. There's a second thing I want you to see in our study. This has to do with the crisis. As we think about the crisis, what Hosea is going to do is give an explanation for their illiteracy. And then he's going to examine. There is an examination of their illiteracy. Sometimes we talk about cause and effect. Why? Why'd this happen? What happened? Let me just suggest a couple of things here. First, down in verse 10, Hosea said to the children of Israel that they had ceased obeying the Lord. In other words, they had been disobedient to the Lord. And again, God had entered into a covenant relationship with them. His intent was to bless them. It would be through the children of Israel that the Christ would come. And yet over and over again, they had demonstrated a disobedient spirit. In chapter 10, verse 3, not only were were they disobedient to the Lord, but they were divided in their loyalty. Because Hosea the prophet said in chapter 10, verse 3, but their heart is divided. You remember Jesus said on one occasion, no man can serve two masters. These folks, by way of allegiance, had divided affections. I read a moment ago, Deuteronomy chapter 6, when God in the long ago said they were to love him with all of their heart, soul, and mind. God God was to have been their everything. And yet, he was not. So what about This examination. I mean, there's an explanation for why they were illiterate. They disobeyed the law of God. They were divided in their loyalty to God. So what about the cause and effect, the byproduct of abdicating the will of God? And We talk about the danger of forgetting the Word of God. Listen, if you would, to what Hosea said down in verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. He said, because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priest for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, he said, I also will forget your children. So cause and effect, they turned a deaf ear to the word of God. As a result of that, they faced spiritual mayhem. When you look at the children of Israel, the northern kingdom, it was not an encouraging picture. As a matter of fact, these people were going to go into captivity, Assyrian captivity, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. Two things played out. First, listen if you would to verse 2. Remember again, Hosea had said there's no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. And then in verse 2, on the heels of that statement, He said, by swearing and lying, killing and stealing, and committing adultery, they break all restraint, with bloodshed after bloodshed. Now, let's just pause there for a minute. What Hosea is saying is that these people, blessed with the law of God, abundantly blessed, had turned their backs on him. As a result of that, the byproducts were playing out on a daily basis. And what he is saying here is, you people and your lives are so messed up. Now we could talk about the implications of this by way of our country. And I said a minute ago that our country today is not reeling because we're following the Bible. But rather, our country today is in trouble because we are not following the Bible. We, as a nation of people, by and large, have come to the conclusion we don't need God. We don't need the Word of God. And so we have abdicated His will, His ways from our lives And so as a result of that, look at the problems. As a matter of fact, when you look at Hosea chapter 4, verse 2, if you didn't know better, you would think you were watching the evening news, wouldn't you? I mean, isn't this what we read about in the newspaper on the Internet? I mean, if you went to Chicago, New York, San Francisco, L.A., I mean, you picked a city, Memphis, Tennessee. Is it not a reflection of what Hosea is saying here? Swearing and lying, people that, when it comes to truth, have no use for it. You know, there are people in our world today, they'd just soon lies tell the truth, wouldn't they? And then we think about how in our world today, in our country today, murder is a daily thing. It's amazing to me the lack of worth in the eyes of many with regard to human life. Whatever happened to the sanctity of human life? And then those who do not respect the property of others, they're thieves. They have no problem stealing. Sometimes we talk about white-collar crime, and then there are others who will take anything that's not bolted down. And by the way, some things are bolted down they take that too. And then he said, committing adultery, people that fail to honor their marriage vows. We live in a very promiscuous society today where people have no problem engaging in sexual relations outside of marriage or before marriage, for that matter. And then he said, they break all restraint. The real problem is when people abdicate the word of God from their lives. Anarchy reigns. Now, here's what I want you to see. To whom is Hosea writing? Is Hosea writing to the people that inhabited Canaan, that were by and large pagan people? Is that who he was writing to? Was Hosea addressing the people that we would call unenlightened? No. Hosea was not writing to pagan people. He was not writing to people that did not know God, that did not know his law, but rather he was writing to the children of God. Now think about this. He was writing to what we would call church folks. People that ought to have known better. Now you think about how that correlates to the church today. If we don't know what the Word of God teaches, if we don't know the Bible, we are in trouble, aren't we? If we don't know the Scriptures, then we're not going to live according to the Scriptures. And what that says is we're going to live like the world lives. We're going to act like the world lives. We're going to dress like the world. We're going to talk like the world. So what chance does the world have? If the very people who are to be light are living in darkness, what chance does a darkened world of sin have? The world is in sin. John said the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The world is in spiritual darkness. And Jesus said light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light. So if we as God's people who are supposed to be walking in the light or walking in darkness... And you tell me, what kind of an effect are we going to have on the world? The children of Israel were to have been a witness to the pagan nations around them. Hosea is writing to covenant people. And he's saying, look, you have the law of God, and yet you have forgotten that law. You're being destroyed because you don't know that law. As a result of that, your lives are a mess. You're living just like the world. You're living just like the people around you. The scriptures say that as children of God, we're to live transformed lives, aren't we? Paul said, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Think about that for a minute. we well, not supposed to be like the world. But if we don't know the scriptures, if we don't read the scriptures, meditate on them, live them out every day, then you tell me, are we going to have a problem telling the truth? Is it going to be a problem for us? When it comes to other moral issues, because if you look at the children of Israel, they had two glaring problems. The first of which was immorality. Paul, in writing to the church at Ephesus, said, you were once darkness, but now, he said, you're light in the Lord. Listen to him. Walk as children of light. You know what he's saying? He's saying that as a child of God, your life is supposed to be different. Why? Because you belong to God. If you're a Christian, you ought to be living... A distinct life. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, that you are a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people for God's own possession. He said, whom he's called forth out of darkness into his marvelous light. In Colossians chapter 1, Paul said, those of us who have obeyed the gospel, we have been delivered out of the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. When we talk about Jesus as the king of kings and Lord of lords, he is to be the king of our life. He is to be the one who is reigning and ruling in our lives. But if we're not following the scriptures, if we're not living according to God's word, then we're in trouble. And you talk about a crisis. The people in Hosea's day, they were facing a major crisis. And it was being played out in their lives. Now you think about our world today and we talk about the problem in our world of swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery and then people who break all restraint and then you factor into this equation. Hosea is not talking to pagan people. He's talking to covenant people. If it was a problem then, could it not be a problem today? Yes, it could. So if we're living like the world and acting like the world and dressing like the world and talking like the world, then you tell me, what chance does New Testament Christianity have to flourish? None. That's why Paul said be an example of the believers in word, in manner of life. In other words, in your conduct, how you carry yourself. Because you are a different person. You are a distinct person. You belong to the living God. We talk about The fact that as God's people, we know who we are and we know whose we are. But if you don't know the scriptures, you'll forget whose you are. You'll forget who you are. So first they were plagued with immorality and then idolatry. Listen to what Hosea says down in verse 12. My people, God's people, ask counsel from their wooden idols... He said their staff informs them. The spirit of harlotry has caused them to stray. He said they, they played the harlot against their God. They offer sacrifices upon the mountaintops and burn incense on the hills. Down in verse 13 he said your daughters committed harlotry and your brides commit adultery. He's talking about spiritual adultery here. What they had done was fail to respect the one true living God. In 1 John chapter 5 verse 21, John in writing to Christians in the latter part of the 1st century said, "Little children, keep yourselves from idols." I know in our world today we have a real problem. In our country today, we have a lot of people today who no longer understand the true nature of God. They don't know the true living God. And there are many people in our world today, they bought into any number of eastern religions and Other types of philosophies. I never dreamed that I would live in a country that would no longer recognize the God of the Bible. Never dreamed that I would live in a country where people would no longer respect the one true living God or His Word. But such is the time in which we live. Is idolatry a problem in the church today? Could be. He ask the question, how so? If we're not putting God first in our lives, if we are living a selfish life in contrast to a selfless life, if there's something, if there is something ahead of God in our life, we got a problem, don't we? I mean, didn't Jesus say, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness? Didn't Jesus say that we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind? He said this is the first and great commandment. Is it possible that in the church today we believe in the one true God, we believe in the scriptures, but we have allowed any and everything to come between us and God? God's not preeminent in our life. God's will is not the deciding factor in everything that we do in life. But rather we have allowed other things to encroach upon our spiritual lives. And as a result of that, look, anything, anything that occupies the position of preeminence in our lives other than God is idolatry. That's just a fact. And so the children of Israel, they had God's law, they had God's love, they had all the blessings and favors that He could have possibly bestowed on them but they turned their back on him. And ultimately, they would pay a heavy price. So I want you to think with me for a moment or two about the consequences. What about their fate? Listen to what Hosea says in chapter 4, down in verse 7. What he's going to do is talk about the reason for their punishment, because the children of Israel are going into Assyrian captivity. The time would be about 722, 721 B.C. Their sister Judah, the southern kingdom, would later go into Babylonian captivity. There would be three waves of Babylonian captivity headed by Nebuchadnezzar. They would go into captivity for 70 years. The northern kingdom would go into captivity. And so, what about the reason? Listen to what he says. The more they increase, the more they sin against me. I will change their glory into shame. He said, they eat, they eat up the sin of my people. And then listen to this. They set their heart on their iniquity. They set their heart on their iniquity. The reason for their punishment. Iniquity. Sin. But note the reality. You know, one of the problems that the southern kingdom had For example, during the days of Jeremiah the prophet. Jeremiah is saying, look, you're going into captivity. And Jeremiah was pleading with the children of Israel to come back. God wanted his people to listen to him. Unfortunately, they would rather listen to the false prophets. And Jeremiah said, the prophets prophesy falsely. And he said, the people love to have it so. Well, you know what? When bad news, when there is potentially bad things going to happen, don't we tend to want to hear the good news? When there's the possibility for mayhem or some catastrophic problem, wouldn't we rather think it won't be that bad? The reality of their punishment, listen to what Hosea said, verse 9, he said, I will punish them for their ways. In Jeremiah's day, it was much easier to listen to the false prophets. It'd be a lot better to listen to somebody who's saying, look, you don't have to worry about all this stuff. What, what Jeremiah is saying, that's a lie. It would have been easier for the children of Israel during the days of Hosea to, to have turned a deaf ear to say, you know what? It's really not going to be that bad. But what God was saying to the children of Israel in the long ago is, look, I'm going to punish you. He would punish them because of their iniquity. So what about their future? Turn over, if you would, to chapter 8. Look at chapter 8, verse 7. Here's what Hosea said about the northern kingdom. And you think about how this correlates to what Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, the law of sowing and reaping. Hosea said, they sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. Could I ask you a question this morning? Are we not reaping the whirlwind as a nation of people who no longer believe in the ideals of Scripture? Are we, not reeling the, are we not reaping the whirlwind of turning a deaf ear to the Word of God? The answer is yes. You know, Jesus said, By their fruits you shall know them. All you got to do is look around in our nation. And you look at all of the problems that are so common to the American way of life. And you think about what Hosea said in the long ago swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery. They break all restraint with bloodshed after bloodshed. And you ask the question have we sown to the wind and are we not reaping the whirlwind? And the answer is yes. But what about the church? If we, like Israel of old, have abdicated the Word of God in our lives, And we really don't know the Bible as we should. And let me tell you this. Let me say this. You know, it's one thing to know the scriptures. It's, It's something to know about God, about Jesus. It's another thing to know God and to know Jesus. And so is it possible that intellectually we know something about God, we know something about Jesus, we know something about his law, the problem is not intellectual. The problem is that we're not living it out in our lives. I said at the start of our lesson today, the theme, we're in trouble if we don't know the Bible. In the church, I'm convinced we're in trouble because we don't know the Bible. I mean, you think about some of the basic, fundamental questions that we could ask from the Scriptures basics. And we don't know the answers. It's hard to live according to Scripture if you don't know what the Scripture says or teaches. The fate of the Northern Kingdom, they would go into captivity. The church today is to be a beacon of light in this world. The church exists because of the seed of the kingdom being planted in the hearts and lives of people and lived out in their daily lives. But if we, like Israel of old, turn our backs on the Word of God and fail to know the book, we're in trouble. We're in grave trouble. There are a lot of congregations that are dying, a lot of congregations that are no longer where they once were. And in some respects, it's because we don't know the Bible. So if you're here today, and you have not allowed God's Word to reign and rule in your life, then I would encourage you to take a step back, to think about what Hosea was saying in the long ago, and to make every effort to take the Word of God and internalize it and live it out on a daily basis. If you'll do that, God will bless you. Thank you for listening to The Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love